One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every single little part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I am your host, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw. Thank you for tuning back in, as you would say if this was a radio show and not a podcast. Thank you for slamming whatever button you did on your computer or mobile device and listening to Star Wars Counseling. If you are a first-time listener, this is how 
how the show works. Sometimes we do it live. Uh, Lately, I've been recording these episodes all by myself with only a small glass of whiskey as my companion. I collect grievances from fellow Star Wars fans, things about the Star Wars galaxy that just bother them, that eat at them, and then I do my very, very best to try to make them feel a little bit a better about it. A little bit a little better, I said, almost sounding like Mario. Following the good old rule of the Sith, the rule of two, I take two grievances, and then I try to address both of those in the podcast. Now, these are two really great grievances I have this week. These were sent in a while back. They were sent in on our Force Center Twitter and Facebook feeds. I am going to let you, the listener, to add extra mystery and enjoyment to your experience, try to decide for yourself in your own heart This week, which grievance is the master, and which grievance is the apprentice? Let's get into it. Our first grievance comes from James LaPlante, or LaPlante. I'm going to say James LaPlante. That's my guess, and I apologize if I got it wrong. Here's what James has to say. He has a really classic grievance. I would say a huge Star Wars grievance, a very common one very heated one, and it is one that James approaches with a specific angle that I found really fascinating. So here we go. Here's what James has to say. My grievance is with the love story, in quotation marks, between Padme and Anakin. It's just not believable. How can she love this dude? He's creepy as hell. He slaughtered a whole village of sand people, and not just the men, but the women. And the children. He confesses this to Padme, and then, in the next scene, Padme smiles at him and basically says, let's go on an adventure to rescue Obi-Wan on Geonosis. And then she marries the dude a week later. I remember watching Attack the Clones in the theaters when I was a Star Wars-obsessed nerd in my freshman year of high school. Just like lots of guys at that age, I remember trying to figure out how to get a girlfriend. Attack the Clones didn't help much. So I really like that this grievance is not only with uh, what I believe is one of the clumsier executions of my beloved Star Wars prequels, the romance between Padme and Anakin. So that's a pretty standard grievance, but I love that James also is upset with Attack of the Clones for not being a good how-to on dating. And uh, I want to say right off the bat, I do not think that anyone should take dating advice from Attack of the Clones. I think, in fact, it is dubious, dangerous, dramatic, intriguing to take dating advice from almost any Star Wars film. Like, the romance is great in many Star Wars stories across movies, books, comic books. There's probably a video game where there's great romance. Who knows? Uh, Other people that aren't me. But a lot of the romance is fun to watch, but not, I would say, instructional. So let's get into Attack of the Clones itself. The problems that I have with it, we'll start with uh, addressing my own grievances to build towards trying to make you feel better, James. Anakin is creepy. I do think he is creepy, and I know that there are people out there who love this romance, but I do think intentionally, unintentionally, he comes off a little creepy. Uh, There's uh, smiles that I think are supposed to be charming bad boy smiles, that come off to me as a, a leer. Uh, I don't think Milady helps. Perhaps if I was a bigger fan of Renfests, 
the milady would be charming to me, uh, but it, it doesn't work for me. So I, I always use the personal headcanon for myself that I'm when I'm watching Attack of the Clones and enjoying it. The idea that Jedi are not supposed to have attachments. They're not supposed to be smooth and charming like a roguish smuggler like Han Solo. I like the idea that Anakin has no idea how to behave. And so some of his behavior is coming off in ways that maybe Anakin himself does not intend. So that's the headcanon that I personally use to address any sort of a creep factor. If you want to take it even farther into just crazy headcanon territory, you can imagine after every scene, Anakin sits down and he beats himself up like a traditional rom-com about all of the stupid things he says, about the way he says him. You could be cut scenes from Naboo in the Lake Country where he looks in the mirror and he practices at saying things better, more charming, less creepy. You can have a lot of fun with it. But let's get into the heart of this actual relationship, because James brings up some very good points, not about uh, just the general, oh man, that wasn't a good romance for screen, but why does Padme love Anakin? Why is Padme attracted to Anakin? Why does she marry him so quickly? And I think there's a lot of interesting, deep Star Wars stuff to dive into there. I think from uh, a certain point of view, which is the expertise of this podcast, Padme is a fixer. She got into government early on, and anybody who gets into government is a person who says, I like to look at problems, accept them for what they are, and then try to make them better. That is the character that we see of Padme in the Star Wars animated series, The Clone Wars. She is always trying to address problems head on and work them out and fix them. So if you go back to the beginning of their relationship, Padme meets Anakin, when he is a sweet, charming, young man. Man is right on the edge. When he is sweet and charming and he is a boy, uh, he has a little bit of edge. Sure, his name is Anakin and he's a human being. He's very clear about that. But uh, she meets him when he is still young and full of hope. And in particular, narratively, what's happening in The Phantom Menace is that he believes that helping people is right. Shmi even says that uh, maybe he was meant to help people. Uh, Anakin makes the necklace for her, which clearly she kept. It meant something to her. So she sees this, the the best part of Anakin, uh, the kindness, the desire to help, um, the charm. He does love pod racing, so there's some enthusiasm. He enjoys sports. <laughs> Basically, she saw the good man that he could be before the galaxy started to do damage to him. And depending on how you want to look at it, he starts to get damaged, take damage immediately in The Phantom Menace. He is ripped away from his mother, even though it's his choice and it's her choice. He is taken away from uh, his mother. He immediately has issues with the Jedi Order because why could they not rescue his mother as well as him? Uh, He is stumbling into this big, scary new world with Qui-Gon Jinn is his guide. Qui-Gon Jinn is immediately murdered by a terrifying demon man. And then Anakin is left with the sort of grumpy guy who wasn't sure about rescuing him in the first place 
Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I don't need to go on and list all of the ways that Anakin takes damage, but we do know that uh, Padme met him when he was young, hopeful, before the galaxy started to get to him. Then, when they come back together, I think it's easy for us to just see the romance as a separate part of the movie, a separate part of the story, but they are in constant life and death danger. The whole reason they meet up is that the galaxy, many people in it, want to murder Padme. And then this uh, sweet boy uh, that she knew as a child uh, has grown into this attractive man. And I'm not just saying attractive randomly. I'm not saying attractive irresponsibly. I'll get to that word put a pin in attractive. She's with this uh, uh, attractive man who is trying to save her from death. They are working together to escape danger. They're in secluded, beautiful spot. Then they go to Tatooine. She sees how tortured he is. She experiences more uh, horror and death. This kind woman that she had met herself, Shmi, dies Anakin confesses, and we focus on the confessing about killing the sand people in the horror of it. But at this point, um, she's with this uh, attractive man, this person who started good, who has already been put through the ringer by life, who is confessing problems. He is doing a part of the system that makes sense to Padme. There is a good thing. And then it encounters problems. And then you bring those problems to light so you can deal with them and you can fix them. So I think, on one hand, Padme sees a good person that she can help, that she wants to help. And I'm not saying, again, that this is a good way to go about dating. Because I think if I did a dating podcast and people asked me for advice, I would say, you shouldn't get into a relationship to fix people. So I'm not saying this is good in the real world, but it makes for a compelling story in compelling Star Wars headcanon. Then, why, if she is even attracted to him, and he's giving off weird vibes and constantly surrounded by uh, death and danger. Why do they rush into romance? Why do they rush into marriage and confession? Well, I will say it is because they are surrounded by constant danger. If you met someone that you had a complex relationship with, and then you were carted to your death to be scratched alive by a big cat— you might be faster to say, you know what, I do like you. I do love you very much. And then when you survive that ordeal, and in fact, the person that you just discovered that you have this tumultuous, maybe good, maybe bad love interest in, they also get their arm chopped off right above the elbow or closer to the shoulder, depending on whether you like the Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith canon for exactly where Anakin's arm got cut off. That's another grievance that I shouldn't open the door to, but there it is. Anyway, my big point is I think that Padme sees Anakin as someone that she can ultimately help, and all of this death and danger brings them together in such an incredibly fast way. They're plunged, both of them, their world is turned upside down by the end of this film. The whole galaxy is plunged into all-out war, which has not happened in this galaxy forever. Why would you not cling to the spark of something that you think is good and pure? Why not get secret married? 
Now, uh, this also might be a part of the attraction. It is a hidden relationship. It is a dangerous relationship. It is a relationship that can never happen. She's a senator and he's a Jedi. This is common sense, people. But as we all know from our real lives and from watching rom-coms from the 80s, you are often attracted to the people that you shouldn't be attracted to. It adds a spark of danger and adds a spark of excitement. And Padme, we know, is a very duty-bound person. She was queen when she was 14, so she has always done the right thing. The proper thing, one might imagine. She was just living life the way a young person on Naboo should, going on field trips, memorizing bird calls. And then this exciting guy, clad in leather, bound by prophecy, comes along and he wants to perhaps throw away his entire life to be with her. Many of us see that as creepy, as obsessive because of the way the story is told in the film. But if you look at, I think, what the intention of the story is, here is a person that she shouldn't technically be with who really wants to be with her. And in real life, it is compelling when somebody really wants to be with you as long as they're not creepy. (laughs) Finally, it is time to take the pin out of attractive. I think we are meant, I think the film tells us very clearly that Padme is sexually attracted to Anakin Skywalker. Uh, We verge into creepy territory, sure, because she met him as a boy of nine. But I think think it has that vibe where you haven't seen someone from your own youth in a long time. I think this is basically like Padme, if she was scrolling through the hollow Facebook of the Star Wars galaxy and had seen Anakin's uh, profile pic under his Jedi Order Facebook page, she would have been like, damn, just like some of us are in real life when we see a person that we have not seen in a long time, and they are still clearly that person that we met. We can still see see their soul emanating from every part of their body. That is the person I've always known, but damn, they're hot now. And I think that is a part of the story of Attack of the Clones, is she is just plain old attracted to this uh, dangerous, but ultimately, under it all, kind guy who loves her. He loves her more than anything. And again, if we take it as true love, that is powerful to have someone that you cared about grow up, become super hot, and love you, love you more than anything. Here's my final bit of Star Wars counseling on this uh, very, very big topic. You can also use the headcanon that it's not Anakin who is creepy and weird, that both Anakin and Padme are just a very stiff couple. They are a couple who understand one another, They love one another. They both fulfill needs and desires that one another have for each other, even if they're not necessarily the best idea. They're a a couple that has a lot of uh, problems, a lot of dynamics, but none of that really shows on the surface. They're just very stiff and boring. And again, 
I would ask you to translate that to real life. I'm sure many of us have dear friends where we think, wow, those two people, I can see why they're together, but maybe they shouldn't be together. And when they are together, they get extra stiff and weird because they have their own dynamic going on. And I love both of those people, but damn, do I not want to have dinner with them. I think that is who Padme and Anakin Skywalker are. They are star-crossed lovers that I do not ever want to have dinner with. Now, before we move on to Grievance 2, I do want to acknowledge one last time, because we try to be positive here on the Force Center podcast feed. Uh, we are prequelists. We enjoy the prequels, even though we personally feel they have many problems. I know there are people out there who really like the relationship between Padme and Anakin, who uh, enjoy it exactly as it is portrayed on the screen. And if you're one of those people, by all means, reach out to us on Force Center Pod. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And let us know what you love about Anakin and Padme loving each other in Attack of the Clones. All right, on to Grievance 2. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This one is also something that I think floats around the Star Wars community, but again, has a very interesting take on it. This was sent in by Sam Haval on Facebook. Sam says, As much as I love R2-D2, it seems that in the original trilogy, he's a dick to everyone, on purpose. For example, taking too long to stop the trash compactor on the Death Star, mischievous behavior towards Luke on Dagobah, etc. My grievance is exemplified when looking at the prequels where out of nowhere, R2 suddenly has a whole arsenal of features that could have saved his friend's bacon multiple times in the original trilogy. Why would he never use his jetpack or flamethrower in the original trilogy? Is this cute little droid we've all come to love secretly a cute little demon? That is a great question, Sam, and a great spin on a classic question. It is a thing that we often wrestle with of why does R2 have certain uh, abilities, certain knowledge in the prequels that we do not see uh, used in the original trilogy. But Sam takes this a step further, puts this great spin on it, that it's about a discovery of what is R2's character. What is R2's intention? Is he messing with his friends and our heroes in the original trilogy and trying to give them a hard time? We will get into that. But first, as I begin my Star Wars counseling, I must do something I hate doing. I must be pedantic and say a pedantic thing. I am not going to push up my nerd glasses because I do not have nerd glasses. I have contacts. So when I correct people, I push up my contacts causes me more pain than it does you to be pedantic. So uh, R2 doesn't have a flamethrower. He shoots the, the his grease out. So that's a thing that we could talk about, why he has a really quite massive compartment of grease. But he uh, blows his grease, sorry for the phrasing, all over the battle droids, and then he lights them on fire uh, with his jets on the side of his legs. So he doesn't actually have a flamethrower. He's just real inventive. And uh, being pedantic about that and looking at that scene of Revenge of the Sith and, and trying to verify that my memory was correct did lead me to the sort of interesting discovery that nothing on R2 is intended to be a weapon. And this, I think, is a clue in our examination of his character. He's supposed to be just loaded down with lots of little functional tools. Even the little zapper that he deploys frequently uh, throughout his appearances in the original trilogy and in some episodes of The Clone Wars and in comic books, I think that is meant to be some kind of interface that, uh, if it is not plugged in, 
the electricity goes everywhere. He's got the the little saw, the basically the really nice pizza cutter. I wish I had R2's arm to help me cut my frozen pizza. So he's got all these things that are that have functional purposes that we've seen R2 uh, display in uh, mm, violent yet productive ways, I'll say. So R2 was uh, built to be just very, very functional, and he has been creative enough to find ways to use all of his functional tools to zap poke, cut, and burn anything in his path. He is a little badass, and I don't think anybody's going to argue about that. Now, as I was doing some research for this, I came upon a fun fact. There are some books that came out in 2015 that retell the story of the original trilogy. These are young reader books, and this keeps popping up as we're talking about things here on the old Force Center podcast feed, where these original trilogy books roll in little details from the prequels, from the Clone Wars animated series, and even some mentions of stuff from early Rebels. But it is apparently in the original trilogy young reader version of Return of the Jedi from 2015 that R2's jets just stopped working. Not a interesting or shocking or sexy explanation, but there it is, straight up in canon, because these books are canon that R2's jets just don't work in the original trilogy, and uh, he must just have better things to do than get them fixed. Or maybe he's like, I'll take the challenge. I used to get out of things the easy way by just flying away from my problems, but now I'm just going to roll straight up to him and deal with that. So anyway... Let's get into the true issue, I think, of your grievance, Sam, is why is R2 behaving in what could appear to be a dickish way to our beloved heroes? I think the question of R2's character is basically a choose-your-own-adventure. I'm going to throw out a bunch of different ideas of how to interpret R2's behavior and thus his character, and we'll see if any of them help you out, Sam. First, I think that it is indeed possible that R2 is being a jerk. Sam, I like your interpretation, your headcanon, that R2 was making the choice to take a while to shut down the trash compactor. Now, you have to ask, why would he be doing that? Is he so bored in life? that he wants to almost kill his new friends? And I say, no. I say R2 spent a tremendous amount of time with the Jedi. And what do the Jedi do to pass on their knowledge? Sure, they lecture you, but mostly they test you. They put you into situations that you are not sure yourself if you have the skill, the resolve, the intelligence, the creativity, the passion to resolve. And then they let you dangle. They let you figure it out yourself. What I'm saying is I think maybe, maybe R2 is behaving this way just to test his friends. He wants them to grow by making their own mistakes. Sure, he knows from his vast experience and all of his kind of violent tools that he contains within his body that he could whip out almost any appendage to take care of almost any problem, but he would rather that all of his friends around him grow and mature by taking care of the problem first. 
So that's one way to look at it, that he is testing his friends. Another way to look at Artu's uh, character and behavior. Now, I know, Sam, you didn't ask directly about why didn't Artu share knowledge, but that's such a question of the prequels. He had this knowledge. 3PO's memory was wiped, but Artu knew everything. So why did he not tell his friends the truth of what was going on, what truly happened to the Jedi, the lineage of the Skywalker family, any information that might have been very helpful. He had been to Dagobah before, we now know from the Clone Wars animated series, so he maybe could have told Luke a little bit more about that. Maybe he did, maybe that's how Luke figures out where Dagobah is, I don't know. But I like this idea that R2 is a little bitter because he knows that he has all of this information, sensitive information, emotional information, practical, helpful information that could help the rebellion and his friends, but he is bitter because he is afraid no one would believe it from a droid. After all, who is R2's best friend? It is C-3PO. What happens when C-3PO tries to tell people things. Everyone tells him to shut up in a myriad of ways. They literally physically cover his mouth. They turn him off. They always shut 3PO up. So maybe R2 saw that and said, yeah, you know, I think if I try to tell Leia that Luke is her brother, she might just melt me down for spare parts. Now, I'm not saying that's what Leia would have done, but maybe that's what R2 felt in his little droid soul, that he would not be respected. It might also be that he just didn't know how to work it into conversation, that uh, as sensitive as information that Darth Vader is actually your father, Luke, by the way, here's what happened, here's some really awkward stuff, some really horrible stuff that went on between you and, uh, between your father, Anakin Skywalker, and your mother, Padme Amidala of Naboo, but he doesn't really know how to work it into conversation, because he is mostly communicating to Luke, it seems like, from screen printouts of what he is saying, so I can't imagine that he is saying like, yes, I have charted a course to Bespin. By the way, also printing out on your X-Wing screen, your dad is Darth Vader. It's hard to work into conversations. And now there's clearly a bond between Luke and R2. And maybe R2 is also afraid to reach out and communicate with Luke because Luke has not even bothered to learn his droid language. Luke guesses what R2 is saying based on the emotive quality of his beeps and boops. Who knows? Maybe R2 has beeped and booped with an emotive quality that says Darth Vader is your dad and Luke just wasn't being a great listener. And speaking of the great emotional connection between R2 and his various owners, masters, partners, uh, both Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker, I do think that R2 truly cares about them. He has an emotional connection to them as much as they have one with him. So maybe he also doesn't say anything about the fall of Anakin Skywalker because he is just so bummed. Maybe R2 is in denial that he had to see some truly awful things happen, and he just doesn't want to talk about them. Maybe 
We don't see it, but he rolls off to whatever the droid equivalent of is of a bar, and he just gets some sort of... Maybe that's where all of the oil comes from. Maybe that was basically uh, R2 uh, after a rough night of drinking. He gets a lot of oil in there, and then it's uh, he can use it as a weapon. <laughs> he can use his obsessive drinking to deal with the fall of Anakin Skywalker as a defensive weapon. I'm getting pretty far into a strange Star Wars rabbit hole, so I'm going to pull up, pull up, pull up. Here's yet another certain point of view to take on R2's character, his uh, choices, his behavior. There's this old idea that George Lucas has talked about where the story is really being told through R2 and 3PO. And that's pretty strong in the original trilogy. We spend a lot of time with those droids. They're in in the beginning of the first film. They're the characters we meet, and we start to meet the other characters through them. Maybe R2-D2 is just an unreliable narrator. And I'm pretty sure I have heard this discussed or participated in this discussion before, so I'm not taking credit for this one. Uh, but maybe R2 just really wants to make himself look cool, that he is telling the story the way he wants people to interpret the story. Maybe that's even why Anakin and Padme's relationship seems awkward in Attack of the Clones, because that's the way R2 chooses to tell it. Maybe he didn't quite get their relationship, he doesn't get the nuances of flirting, so it came out kind of weird. In my final bit of Star Wars counseling to try to help you feel better about R2 possibly being a jerk. Here it is, Sam. Even if he is a jerk, you gotta give him credit because R2 is cool. R2 is the kind of friend who, yes, sometimes maybe they don't treat you the best. Maybe they test you a little bit. Maybe they push your buttons. Maybe they don't tell you some information that you really could use, but he's still cool. I mean, he keeps his cool. He's always taking care of things. He screams sometimes, but to be fair, he's usually been spit out by something when he's screaming or in terrible pain. Anyway, the point is, he might be a jerk. He might be distant, but he is always there for you. Even if he leaves it up to you to save your own bacon, and then it looks like your bacon's not going to be saved, he will put an appendage somewhere and your bacon will be saved. Of almost any character in the Star Wars galaxy, no matter how poorly he behaves, if I need someone to help me move, R2-D2 is going to show up. He is going to help me move, and he is going to take care of any problems. I'm sure he has an appendage that's just like packaging tape, and he can just package the hell out of a box for me. And then maybe, maybe, help me move a couch using his jets, if his jets are working at the time, and he feels like telling me about it. Anyway, I hope that helped a little bit with your grievance, Sam. Great grievance, and dare I say, fun grievance. Uh, so if you listeners have grievances, by all means, let me know. I like logic problems, certainly continuity problems, but I really like the personal. I like things that just sort of 
eat at you, like something that you can't digest, like a bounty hunter in a sarlock, something that keeps you up at night. Let me know what your problem is. Let me know why it bothers you, and I will do my very best to try to make you feel better about it. You can reach out on Twitter. You can reach out on Facebook and try to use the hashtag SWCounseling so when I'm doing a new episode, I can find the new grievances. There's been a lot going on in the Star Wars galaxy, a lot of new stuff coming out there, so we will put out a call soon for fresh grievances. Uh, I asked quite a while back, I think October of last year, for grievances, uh, and then uh, life got busy and I wasn't able to start doing this podcast regularly. But now I'm trying to put them out every two weeks, and, uh, and I used up a lot of the grievances, so it will be time for minty, fresh, delightful Star Wars grievances. If I have at all successfully, even a little bit, made you feel better about the parts of Star Wars you don't like, uh, I ask that you go to the Star Wars Podcast Awards site, which is StarWarsPodcastAwards.com, and vote for Force Center. We are nominated in several categories, including just straight-up best podcast. So uh, please go vote for us. It helps us out a lot. It makes us feel better from every point of view. And if you're just sitting around on social media saying, who and what should I follow and where should that happen? Well, you can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter as at Force Center Pod. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.